Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Edge Rush, presented by the Hammer Betting Network. As always on Edge Rush, I am joined by two professional sports bettors, TA from CleveAnalytics.com, as well as Hitman. And as always on the Edge Rush show, we will be breaking down every single game on the NFL slate. Of course, we are in week 13, and it's a Thanksgiving edition. So every single team will be playing, no bye weeks whatsoever, a lot of games to get into. So we're going to get right into it with the Detroit Lions hosting the Buffalo Bills on the first game on Thursday. The Lions are on a three-game winning streak. The Bills just won in Detroit against Cleveland, so they've been hanging out in Detroit for a while. This spread is sitting at Buffalo minus 9.5, a total of 54.5. We're going to start with you here, TA. What are you liking in this game? Yeah, I mean, I I, I was talking to the guys before that uh, this is the only game I've bet so far this week. Uh, tough lines and just a, a ton of stuff going on. But I, I did take uh, when this dipped to 53 and a half yesterday morning, I did take the over. I guess everyone jumped on board as now is up to 54 and a half. A lot of spots. 54 is a key number. So, um, you know, I would not take 54 and a half. Uh, 54 is OK. Obviously, would like a little lower and, and just, you know, it seems like a square play. But I mean, the more I break it down, even when you look historically, you might think like these these early Thanksgiving Day games could be kind of sleepy, but uh, we've seen um, some of these these totals in the 50s uh, for Detroit games go over. It's actually you know, two and two to the over for anything 50 and above. Um, so it's not as if, uh, you know, these teams are, are going to be sleepwalking necessarily. And then just on the field, you know, we saw it last week, Josh Allen and, and the Bills scored, what, 30, 31 points, I think it ended up being. Um, but they've scored, they've played six games, uh, in the dome historically, well, since, since 2020, and, uh, they've scored at least 30 in, in all of them. <laughs> and, and they didn't even play that well last week. I think the first handful of, of drives against the Browns, they, they, they went three and out, they, they didn't get any first downs and they looked a little rusty. They finally started to move the ball. They ran it pretty well against a bad run defense in the Browns. Uh, and they were able to still score 31, even with a bad offensive performance and, you know, against a much better defense than they're facing here. The Lions D has been a little bit better lately, but really they've benefited from, from a lot of turnover luck. Uh, you know, that Packers game a few weeks ago, two interceptions in the end zone by Aaron Rodgers, you know, uncharacteristic. You know, we saw uh, against the Bears, they allowed 30 points. The Bears can't throw the ball. We know that. And then last week against the Giants, again, another team that can't throw the ball. They gave up over 300 yards to Daniel Jones. Now, some of it is garbage time, but, um, you know, they, they benefited from a couple of turnovers as well. So it's not as if that they really fixed this defense. I think they just had a combination of facing uh, some bad offenses and just some turnover luck. And so now this is a huge step up for the Lions. It's, you know, indoors versus the, the last two weeks kind of in cold, uh, windy weather in New York and Chicago. Uh, and they're going to have to do it without their, their best cover corner. And Jeffrey Okuda who's going to be out with a concussion. So I just think from a defensive standpoint, it's going to be really hard to slow down this Bills offense that, like I said, even with with a bad performance is going to score 30 plus likely. Um, and the Lions, you know, offensively, they're starting to score again. You know, they went through a little lull midseason. Again, combination of playing, you know, some outdoor weather, some tough defenses in, in the Cowboys and the and the Patriots and also not having their full complement, including DeAndre Swift and, and Amron St. Brown. They got back DJ Chark last week. He only ran a you know a handful of routes, but he's going to get um, uh, continue to increase his workload this week. And you know it is again this this isn't hundred um, percent because of Swift, but I just thought it was interesting that in the seven games that DeAndre Swift has at least been active and has played snaps, um, you know the, the Lions EPA and offense is .09, which is essentially equivalent to the sixth best in the NFL. Now, again, he doesn't take all that credit because he's not even playing more than a third of the snaps right now. But, you know, just the fact that him and St. Brown are back in the lineup, I think really, really helped this offense become, you know, what they are. Um, when you look at kind of uh, uh, scoring drives versus expectations, they're, they're six in the NFL uh, as a whole this season. 
So I think they're going to be fine on offense. Um, I think they're going to be able to move the ball. The, the Bills are missing Tremont. I just saw Tremaine Edmonds is out, the, their, their linebacker, who's really good in coverage. So that's that's a big deal against uh, Swift in the pass game. Um, and uh, I, I just think that they've got enough on offense, along with you know a good running game. They're going to be able to run it on this Bills defense pretty light up the, up the middle. Um, and I think they're going to be able to move it uh, that way. So, you know, and, and if the Bills go up big, I mean, we know that the Lions don't quit and they, they keep coming at you. So I think, you know, that's probably a better scenario is get the line, get the get the Bills up big and have the Lions throwing all day in the second half. So I, I think 54 is, is kind of the good number here. Um, I personally, you know, just my model has it at 56, but I wouldn't play it that high. Um, but I, I think 53 and a half, 54 is good. Um, in terms of the side, you know, this was hit 10 after a, a release yesterday uh, and it just uh, trickled down to nine and a half. I see in some spots. So there is a little bit of resistance there. I, if it's at 10, I mean, I would lean the lions, but I, I have not played it. So uh, I think it'll be a fun game. I think it'll be a shootout. It's certainly going to be an interesting game at Ford field to kick off Thanksgiving. Hitman, you agree that the total is in play here? Or are you looking at this game in a different direction? I don't got much on the total or the side. I think that the way to, for me at least to approach this and yes, this is the squarest play on the in, on the on the Thursday, it's the squarest play on Thanksgiving, and you, you know what he's gonna say because <laughs> I did it last year. But go ahead. <laughs> your, your, your drunk uncle on the couch <laughs> is gonna say, "I'm gonna tease the Cowboys and the Buffalo Bills." <laughs> is that what you thought it was? Oh yeah, yeah. Because last year, remember, it was the same scenario, but it was the Bills were playing, you know, in New Orleans and, and the Saints were missing. Uh, I think Taysom Hill was a quarterback. So it was Bills and then it was the Cowboys laying, I think, eight against the Raiders. So it was that that scenario. And then obviously Dallas the Raiders lost blew all that right, up. Right? Yeah. Yep, they lost outright. So, but, yeah. Yeah. you know, oh, and we yeah. saw this, we saw these lines move, uh, Hitman. You tell me, I thought it was initially teaser protection. Uh, but, you know, obviously there's some issues and we could talk about the Cowboys game too, but. Uh, I once, you know, I think everybody was hitting this teaser. So they pushed it up to nine, right. To protect themselves. So it felt like, yeah, I mean, a lot of times, yeah, a lot of times they, they will do that if they think they're going to get bombarded with teasers, but so, some of these games, I, I just thought that the, the line was warranted. I mean, especially with the yeah. Dallas game, I know like the look ahead was like seven, seven and a half, but you couldn't put it at that number. I I think with Dallas getting upgraded off the Minnesota win, and then the um, the injuries to the Giants with Dory Jackson and Wandell Robinson. But um, regardless, on the Lions game, I thought that the Lions in a teaser was a good look, and I don't have a ton on the sides and totals in the next two games. So a bonus prop that I like: Josh Allen under pass yards or completions not sure which one i'm going to play yet am i going to play this now no because every square is going to bet allen overs i think that the line's going to get a little bit inflated we've already seen a release on allen overs that have pushed the line up and i know that the matchup is terrible and where the lions are the worst defense in the league like it's scary like you're gonna have to hold your nose during this bet but the thing that jumped out to me as far as maybe a potential Allen under was in their last two games, since he had that injury, their early down first half pass rate, it was 66%. The first eight games of the year, it's 48% and 52% in those two games since the injury. So I think that they're making a little bit of an effort to not get Allen hurt or not have him re-aggravate that injury. So I think that an Allen under, especially because they could be blowing this team out in the second half when the Lions will get all their garbage time points. I think that an Allen under could be worth a play, but I'm going to wait until probably a half hour before a kickoff. And what is that? What is that? What are those totals? Cause I've got just for fun. I mean, this is my season long model uh, again, no adjustments. And again, between the elbow and, and like you said, they're going to be running it more. I've got 25 completions, 308 yards. What is that? Yeah, I, right I, now it's it's 23 and a half completions and it's 281 and a half yards. Believe it or not, his over under opened at one book at 261 and a half. Wow. And it was 271 and a half at the other books. And hmm. a release brought this up. But honestly, I think it goes up a little bit yeah. with, with the public getting involved in these props a lot. Oh, yeah. And again, I mean, it's scary because – it's 
a great matchup. Like the lot, if they get down in this game where he does have to throw, or if they do choose to throw heavy, like I'm in trouble. We we know that, but I do think that they're gonna potentially be a little more conservative with with Allen, and they can run on them too. I mean, I yeah. can see Singletary and James Cook having a, a great game. This Lions defense cannot do anything. Well, let me ask you, uh, Hitman, because you've got more experience with the props on this than I do. I, in a Thanksgiving scenario, um, like, is it, is it just best in general, just to, if you're going to take unders, just wait, wait, wait till like right before a kick? Because feels like, I mean, does the public move these props enough yeah. for, for that to happen? Okay. Yeah, more than yeah, normal yeah. Sunday, obviously. Yeah, it's kind of like the, the playoffs where the playoffs, yeah. if, if on a big-name player, typically you'd look to bet over. And the bit, best example is the Super Bowl. Typically, you look to bet over when the lines open up, and then you look to play under at post. Now, it's not a bulletproof model, and the reason is is because with so many uh, pick sites having influence on these prop numbers, what could happen nowadays is you could say like a public player like Justin Jefferson, like, oh, wait till before the kick, before kickoff. But if like a big site that moves the market on these props, if they give out under on Jefferson, it's going to it's going to move. But for the most part, the way to approach these props is wait before kickoff because the public will move these prop numbers a little, um, a little more than usual on Thanksgiving. Very interesting tidbits from both you guys have to reiterate my thanks for hearing that. I hope the listeners are picking up on some tidbits because some great knowledge just dropped at open, maybe looked at the over overs, but especially on a day like Thanksgiving where the public is going to be invested heavily in not only the size and total markets, but the prop markets as well. You could see some inflated numbers to try to catch some, you know, again, drunk uncles on the couch who are just looking for the action, taking overs regardless of what that number is. And there could be value in the under instead of the over there. So really great information. We're moving to the second game, the Dallas Cowboys come off that gigantic victory, hosting the Giants who just lost to that Lions team we were just discussing. Right now, Lions sitting at Dallas, Lang, nine and a half, total 45 and a half. Hitman, we're going to start with you here. What are you looking at in this matchup? Um, I talked about the teaser. I think that Dallas is worth a look in the teaser. I know the last time they played the Giants, it was like a historically bad pass protection performance from the Giants. Like Jones – was under just absolute insane pressure. And uh, now with another receiver down, uh, I just don't see things getting much better for the Giants. So, I mean, I did – I like Dallas in the teaser. Uh, another prop that I like, C.D. Lamb over 69.5 receiving yards. If you look at C.D. Lamb's target share against man coverage and his target share against the Blitz, just absolutely skyrockets. And that's the one thing that the Giants – we know they're going to blitz. They're going to play man coverage. And now you have Noah Dory Jackson for the Giants as well. I'm worried about the game script a little bit for sure. But I do think that C.D. Lamb's matchup is so good that an over around 69 and a half receiving yards is worth a bet. Very interesting. T.I., what are you thinking about in this matchup? Yeah, I haven't done anything here. Um Really interested to see, um, uh, take a look at some of the uh, some of the props. I think I don't, I don't think I'm going to take a side. I, I will say, if you're considering the Giants, I would just take the first half because there is no. I mean, this isn't a team that comes back. You're not going to get a backdoor cover. I don't think with Daniel Jones in this offense, right? Like when he's forced to throw. We saw it last week against the Lions, they couldn't do that. So you're not doing that against against Dallas, and Dallas can obviously run the ball on them um, to take take clock off, uh, time off the clock. So to me, if you're interested in the Giants, maybe you get Dallas sleepwalking, everybody patting them on the back, and, and you know, the Giants could come out and, and run the ball on them and, get you know, get a quick score or something, and, and you can cover a first half number, even a first quarter number. So I'll just give that piece of advice. If you're looking to do that, I wouldn't take full game Giants if, if you know, like I said, there's no reason to take full game Giants um, <laughs> if they're not going to start and cover the first half. Like, I would just find that hard to believe. So, um Maybe look that way. But, yeah, the, normally this line would be inflated, but I think it's inflated for a reason. I mean, again, Adoree Jackson out, as Hitman mentioned, Aaron Robinson out. Those are their top two cover corners when you look at uh, PFF coverage grade. So they're they're in a world of hurt uh, in the secondary. And also when you consider that Wink Martindale just blitzes the hell out of, hell out of opponents um, at, like, the highest rate in the NFL, and he doesn't care who's back there. I mean, look at last year when, when he, with the Ravens, they had all those injuries in the secondary. He continued to just all out blitz and leave those guys on an Island and they were getting burned left and right. 
So he's not going to quit doing that. So, you know, there are going to be some big chunk plays here, um, you know, on occasion. Now it's just a matter of, you know, how, how fast does, does Dallas start here and do they sleepwalk and kind of read their press clippings a little bit. So I, I no no opinion on the cider total for me right, right now may look at some of the, uh, some of the props, um, but, you know, not having Wondell Robinson on offense kills them. You know, obviously the trade of Tony, you got the secondary concern. It's just a mess with this, this giants team. And, you know, they we'll talk about with the Vikings, but, you know, I, I look at a lot of like uh, fourth quarter uh, win probability numbers and compare that to actual, um, you know, wins for for teams and, and try to see if there's any inefficiency there. And, and the Vikings are by far the, the largest and uh, over uh, performing team in the NFL, even NFL history. And the Giants are like right or second <laughs> going into last week. So, um, you know, there is merit to fading them the rest of the season. And, you know, this could be one of those, but uh, again, no, no official play for me on that. Yeah. Very tough for New York. Like you said, missing top two cornerbacks, wide receiver room, really lacking talent due to injuries and those trades, unfortunately. So could be a beat down in Dallas, unless they are overlooking this game, which is of course possible, but the way the Cowboys played last week and the way this team is kind of going uh, certainly seems as if nine and a half points makes sense in this game. But to the final matchup on Thanksgiving, the Minnesota Vikings, who just got destroyed handily by the Dallas Cowboys at home last week, taking on the New England Patriots. Patriots coming off that ugly win against the Jets, but really playing the Belichick way, winning on defense and special teams. This line opened at three, but has creeped down now to two and a half across the board. Minnesota favored by two and a half. Total sitting 42 and a half. We'll start with you, T.A. Um, What are you looking at in this matchup? Because – like we were talking about before the show, the Patriots from a defensive line and pressure standpoint compare very similar, similarly to the Cowboys. And obviously the Vikings had a hard time dealing with what the Cowboys did last week. Do you think the Patriots can do more of the same or is this a good bounce back spot for a Vikings team that was embarrassed last week? Yeah, you know, I was on Dallas last week. We talked about it. No, me and Hitman were opposite sides there. Didn't expect that big of a blowout, but you just you had know. to throw that in, didn't you? You, know, you just had <laughs> to remind were, me. Yeah. All right. Keep you're, going. More, keep going. you're more right than me on most things. So I got to take my wins <laughs> when I can. But uh, yeah, no, that was that was one that, you know, it was clearly, you know, it's rare to have a no sweat like that. And, and it was it was fun to watch, but uh, for me at least. But uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't see that coming. That was, that was just a beatdown. And, you know, not having – you know, the, we, we talked about in the injury show last week that Christian Derisal, that was a big, big deal if he was going to miss. Now, he ended up playing, but then he left early with that concussion, and he's not going to play this week. So, you saw they just – they had no shot against that defensive front, and now you've got, you know, Matthew Judon, et cetera, uh, with the Patriots. I, so, a couple things are, are, are interesting here. One is you've got a short week. Um, typically, and I don't, I don't have this in front of me. I, I used to, um, I could find it, but historically, or at least in the last handful of years, rookie, rookie head coaches on Thursdays are awful against the spread. Just the quick turnaround. It's not routine. They're not used to it. And their teams are, are, um, real pretty often struggle. And so we've seen that a big disadvantage. And now you're doing that with Kevin O'Connell going up against the best coach in NFL history. So huge mismatch from the coaching and preparation standpoint. Um, number two, you know, the Patriots defense, I think is number one in EPA, but they have played a cupcake schedule of opposing offenses between the Jets twice and Sam Ellinger. And, you know, they got blown out by Justin Fields. They obviously have an issue with running quarterbacks. I mean, Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson were the two best quarterbacks against them this year. But otherwise, it's Jared Goff, it's Jacoby Brissett, it's uh, Mitch Trubisky. You know, they did, you know, perform well in the opener against uh, Tua in that Miami offense. But, again, that's tough to really handicap because of, you know, that, that was Miami's first game in this new system. So, you know, who knows if that was just rust or if, if New England was doing something, uh, uh, you know, interesting there. But, you know, so it's, it's – I don't think the defense is nearly as good as the numbers indicate. They just overwhelm bad offenses. Uh, and they might do that here with with the offensive line injuries and, and Kirk Cousins with the statue, but it's hard to know just how you know just how well they'll perform. But I think they'll they'll be fine. They have not faced. If you look at that set of teams, I mean, besides the, the opener against Miami, name a single good receiver uh, on that list. Maybe Amari Cooper is the best receiver they've faced since the opener. Um, so it's you know they haven't had to go up against Justin Jefferson and, and you know even Adam Thielen level receiver so great matchup i think just an interesting kind of chess match there um 
you know, but I, I do get nervous fading a team off such a huge blowout loss. Like historically, that's that's where you want to back a team like that. But again, they've overexceeded expectations so much that it's probably still not in line with what their their actual um, rating should be. I mean, I, I have them more like a five win team instead of an eight win team. So, you know, if that was the case, I mean, this line would probably be close to a pick 'em. So, long story short, I missed the three. I was fortunately I, I just never got in front of my computer when when it was sitting at three yesterday, so I missed it sitting at two and a half. I I would be shocked if it went back up to three. Um, pretty strong support for New England. Uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting. Don't even take the two and a half. It's not even worth it uh, if you're going to take New England. Like, I just went back the last couple of years, and uh, these underdogs that are between one and a half, two and a half, like, when they cover, they win outright. 50 out of 52, I believe, have covered and won outright. So, you know, very rarely are you going to get a one or two point loss and, and still cover. So just take the money line. And, it, you know, interestingly, those teams that did cover and win outright, uh, 71% of them have won by more than six points. So it's not like it's it's a close win. Usually you get, you know, some, some, some of these long tails. So I might look at some of the alternative lines for New England, maybe like a minus six and a half out there. If you can get like a plus 250-ish range, that could be worth a, a sprinkle. Um, and then, you know, maybe, you know, alternatively, if you don't like the two and a half, look at maybe Minnesota under team total. I think it's sitting at 21 and a half. You know, I've got this modeled at 20. So I, I think that's a decent number again, short week. So, uh, rustier offenses maybe. Um, but you know, those are the, really the areas to me, it's, it's new England money line, alt line or, and, or under uh, Minnesota team total. Very interesting. Hitman, are you viewing this game similarly, or do you take a different approach to this matchup? Um, I lean towards Minnesota. Uh, no, it's scary to do after what happened last week. Um, I think that the lesson learned from last week is, you know, my pure numbers had value on Minnesota that game, but I just didn't take into account enough the matchup where when Kirk Cousins plays against these great pass rushes, he's not done good all season. And it, it happened again. He was pressured on 60% of his dropbacks. Last week, Cowboys ranked first in the NFL in pressure rate. Patriots are second. So, um, and, and you saw at the one game, the other game that Cousins really struggled in this year was against Philly, which, again, pressure just d- destroyed his game in that game as well. So, I'm not probably not going to end up playing it. But I will say, I do think the Patriots' defense is a little bit overrated. I mean, against Tua, Lamar, Rodgers and Fields, they allowed 29 points per game against Trubisky, Goff, Brissett, Zach Wilson, and uh, Sam Ellinger. They allowed nine points a game. And I mean, Cousins is an above, slightly above average quarterback. So, I mean, I'm, and, and one thing that I think hasn't been talked about much either is Mac Jones. And I know that his stats weren't bad last week and they just really struggled in the red zone last week, but he has not been impressive for pretty much the whole season right now. And this Patriots offense hasn't been either. So I'm not rushing to play New England. That's for sure. I think Minnesota has a little bit of value, but I probably end up passing just because of that pass rush factor. Yes, certainly an interesting game. Mac Jones seems to be replaceable and seems to be regressing. I know he's been dealing with injuries. Maybe his confidence has been hurt with that Bailey Zapp switch on that Monday night football game against the Bears. I should mention, sorry, I should have mentioned, I think New England would be a great teaser piece too if you're looking for another option. I just don't necessarily know what to pair them with. So, um, But that they would make a good teaser leg. So I'll just say that. Yes, certainly. So a very interesting matchup there. Definitely Kirk Cousins, a better quarterback than the Patriots have faced or in that uh, middle of the pack round. Of course, we know, though, Kirk Cousins not hiding in a 1 p.m. slate. He'll be on prime time. So we don't know what Kirk exactly we will get. But a, a very interesting matchup there. But headed over to Sunday, the first game we're eyeing on the board, the Jacksonville Jaguars hosting the Baltimore Ravens, who won last week against the Panthers, but they won ugly, did not have the spread, a very low-scoring game. Now, right now, this is sitting at Ravens minus four, some shops three and a half. And very interestingly, the total opened at 46 and has now dropped to around 43 and a half, 44 other shops. We'll start with you again here, T.A., um, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? And where do you think you have value in the Ravens-Jaguars game? 
Yeah, I mean, these are two, uh, again, the, the opposite spectrum of the Vikings and Giants. These are the two um, biggest underperformers when you look at uh, win probability. You know, I look at win probability in the fourth quarter, kind of blended uh, from early to, to mid fourth quarter um, and compare that to the end of the game. Like Baltimore, even though they've got a bunch of wins, they should, they should have more. They should be more like an eight or nine win team. Um, and Jag, same thing. Like just they've just underachieved um, a lot. And so, you know, interesting from that standpoint, the Baltimore defense has just been awesome since they made that Roquan Smith trade. Like, and they've gotten, they've gotten healthy with Justin Houston back. So like, I like them from a defensive standpoint more than what they're showing on offense. I mean, they are, they're offensively, they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're throwing through, you know, an injured Mark Andrews and a Demarcus Robinson at wide receiver. Like it's just, I, I would look more towards again, maybe a Jacksonville under team total or an under for the game. Um, more than anything, uh, you know, if I had to take it, I would take Baltimore. But, you know, it's just it's hard to get margin with that offense for Baltimore. It's just they don't have the the playmakers anymore. Um, and we saw it last week against the Carolina defense. It's pretty good, but not, not great. I mean, 13 total points in that game uh, for uh, for Baltimore. So, you know, um, I, I think it'll be a lower scoring game. I think there's a reason why this total is moving down. But um uh, and, and historically, or at least a recent history, home dogs uh, off of a buy haven't been, I think they get inflated a little bit in the market and um, they have not performed well the last handful of years. So, um, you know, keep an eye there. Like just don't use coming off a buy at home as, as an excuse to, to take Jacksonville because that really hasn't played itself out the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think that's a great point you made about margin. The same reason why they dropped you guys dropped this same knowledge on this show last week about the Ravens being incapable of covering a large spread against the Panthers because this offense is really banged up and they don't have that explosive style player, obviously outside of Lamar Jackson, but he can't be, you know, cranking off 75 yard rushes every other drive. Uh he needs some support there. Uh Hitman, interesting game here. Ravens Jaguars, what are you thinking? Yeah, I don't got much. Um Lamar Jackson's averaging six yards per pass attempt since week four, which just further proves the point where TA was saying that this offense just doesn't have much explosiveness and they aren't really an offense I'm looking towards to, to get margin. So with that said, I, um, I, I, I don't got much on this game. Yeah, no, nothing wrong with not having much on a matchup. Obviously, as professional sports bettors, you need to find your edges and work on hammering those out. If you don't see one, you don't have one, and you don't bet it. So keep that plain and simple there. But now I'll be headed to Carolina, where the Panthers host the Denver Broncos. Like you mentioned, the Panthers played well defensively, but ended up, of course, losing to the Ravens. And then you have this Broncos team that is an absolute train wreck, looking like it all coming off that loss to the Las Vegas Raiders. But considering how bad both these teams are, even on the road, Denver is still laying points total all the way down to 36, which is actually up from the opening line of 34 and a half, but still a shockingly low number in the National Football League. Um, Hitman, we'll start with you. Uh, considering this low total, are you looking at under some props? Do you think maybe there are some props that are now undervalued, looking at some overs, side total? What are you seeing here? <sighs> It's a tough game. I mean, all I could think about is how low this total is. Like, TA, I mean, can you even remember a game yeah. where the total was 35 without the weather being a huge No, factor? no, not at all. Like, you might have seen this like 10 years ago, but not, not in recent times. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll tell you what, I could only play the over. I mean, without a weather game, I, I could not play the, the under in this game, but – uh, I made the line what on the number. It's going to be a common theme, I think, this week, especially now that we don't have many of the injuries doing this earlier. I made I made the line the the line on the number, so not much from me. Yeah, very tough with such a low total and no snow and heavy winds to uh, to point to for that either. Uh, Ta, anything in this matchup? No, I'm giving. We're giving this game uh, way too much uh, time. Uh, it's just an awful game. I mean, I, I've lost more money on Denver. Uh, I mean, I did have their under team total last week, so I did get that. But in general, I've lost more money on Denver, I think, than any other team this year. They just my my numbers like them way more than than the market. Uh, but every single week, they they just can't they just can't do anything on off. Even against, I mean, the Raiders might have the worst pass defense in the NFL, and they could not score more than 16 points. It's just, it was just embarrassing. And so, I mean, Carolina is actually a stingy defense. Um, so 
Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I wouldn't touch this total. I mean, you might see like two pick sixes between uh, Russell Wilson and, and Sam Darnold, and that's how this goes over. Uh, so we should mention that Darnold is going to start. So I don't know, you know, if that moves the needle at all either way, but that does create more kind of potential for short fields and and uh, pick sixes and, and things like that if you're looking at the total. But I, and I know so I've heard some people talk about teasing Carolina. Like, how could you feel comfortable teasing uh, Carolina at all? Um, from uh from uh you know i mean you just you can't trust either of these teams so uh, nothing for me on this game yeah the panthers on their third quarterback of the season of course donald was hurt to start the year but then passed over for walker mayfield back to walker back to mayfield uh this is certainly not appointment television so let's move on to a game that in my household is appointment television the washington commanders hosting the atlanta falcons Commanders are playing some good football. They really are. Of course, they beat up on a Texans team that is abysmal last week, but you have to feel somewhat comfortable of how they did not sweat for a single second from that pick six on to start the game on the first drive for Davis Mills. That football game was over. You have an Atlanta Falcons team that, of course, has been scrappy this season, You know, playing, I'm sure, better than expected in terms of the opening team total market. That team total was five juice to the under, and they're already at five wins now, but still not a team that inspires a ton of confidence. Washington at home, minus four, four and a half. Some shops, total 41 to 42. At other shops, Hitman, we'll start with you. Any prop sides, totals in this one? Well, there's not going to be many props, unfortunately, just because the market's being really slow to populate this week. But I'll tell you how I'm not playing this game. I'm not playing Washington. And the reason is, is that this line opened at three. I thought at three, Washington was a pretty solid bet. But it's just been bet up now so much to the point that, I mean, probably to justify laying four and a half, you probably have to make the game closer to six with Washington. And, I mean, despite Taylor Heineke's record, he hasn't really been lighting the world on fire from an individual standpoint with this Washington team. So, I mean, I just think that the price now with Washington is is getting up there. I mean, just think last week you could have laid three against the Houston Texans with them and now you're laying four and a half against the Falcons obviously a venue change but I I just think that the time to bet Washington was earlier and it probably ends up being a pass for me yeah I could certainly understand that especially considering the Texans game that number really didn't move off that three but it seemed like everybody on Twitter sharp or square was kind of really on Washington so surprising to not see that number move but it's kind of hard like you said to see this team as a more than a field goal favorite against almost everybody, though, that have put together a nice stretch of games over their last month and a half. Um, T.A., talk to me. What are you thinking here? Yeah, I, got, I missed this, too. I would have taken Washington at the Open, but we saw Kyle Pitts going down, and so that's part of the move. You know, from a matchup standpoint, Atlanta, we know they like to run the ball a lot. Like, they, they that's how they get their offense running, and so this is the best – well – they face the Rams, but this is the second best run defense they'll have faced. So that's a bad matchup for them. If they can't run the ball and they don't have Kyle Pitts, it's going to be really hard for them to move it. Um, I mean, again, uh, I don't want to steal any Hitman stuff, but like I would look at a Drake London prop um, or even a Demir Bird who's getting more action um, because I don't know where else they're going to go uh, from the offensive standpoint. So, you know, I was on the over last week and, and got there because of, uh, you know, the quarter out pa- Patterson kick return really helped, but that they, they struggled once Pitts went down, you know, they were really struggling to throw the ball down the field. Uh, and again, it, outdoors, uh, I haven't looked at the weather. I don't know, Eric, if you know um, what the weather is going to be in DC on, uh, on Sunday, but you know, an indoor team going outdoors, we saw against Carolina, they really struggled a couple Thursdays ago. They uh, lost by double digits, digits there. Uh, they lost at Cincinnati outdoors by, by 18, um, you know, they went to Tampa, obviously that's warmer weather and lost, but, um, you know, so they're, they're not a team, they're, they're a dome team that likes to play in, in a controlled environment and can run the ball. And this is not where you're going to see here this week. So I would not touch Atlanta here, but it's too high for, you know, a Washington team. Again, I was way wrong. I had Houston last week. That was, you know, from, from the, from the jump, you know, Washington came out and, and attacked them and did a great job um, coming back off of that high. Uh, on Monday night against Philly, like they didn't care. Like you could tell they've got this confidence. They, they, they have a belief. And so, you know, that's tough to fade right now. So, you know, I, I'm kind of, 
uh, sitting on the sidelines for now on that one. Yeah, so going <laughs> to that weather question, it's looking like a rain is very likely 80% chance of rain. However, it's not looking like a windy game. It's going to be not too cold, only 10 to 12 mile per hour wind. So that should not be a gigantic factor. Just piling back on Washington, I mean, from a fan standpoint, and again, not trying to say like this means bet Washington or anything like that, but seeing some of the interviews of Ron Rivera, Jonathan Allen, some of their leaders after that game in Houston, you know, obviously they were celebrating like they won the Super Bowl after they beat the Eagles. But after that game, they were like, hey, guys, we won, but like we should be winning. We didn't even play our best. We have work to do. We should not wait for a loss to regroup and refocus. So the mindset in Washington definitely inspires confidence. But laying four to four and a half points is a whole nother story. But something to monitor moving forward as that NFC playoff race continues to heat up. But going to an interesting, I think is a very interesting matchup because we have the Cleveland Browns hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are coming off the bye. The Browns, as I'm sure Hitman and TA will talk all about, are one of the low-key better offenses in all football. And as we mentioned last week, their defense has been abysmal, even giving up, it seems, at some points this season. And then next week, of course, Deshaun Watson will make his debut. So uh, general question, I'll probably start with UTA, being the Cleveland fan that you are. So this is, of course, we want to see where you find an edge in this matchup, but also just considering the Watson coming back and how this Browns team has called out their defensive coordinator subtly in interviews and whatnot. Is this team kind of dead in the water or, you know, is this a game where it's like, okay, we can put up a fight against the Bucks team, move forward with Watson and maybe make somewhat of a successful second half of the season here? Yeah, this is uh, – I would have taken Tampa at three. Again, I missed it. <laughs> I think it may come down. You might get three. It's, it's you know, maybe 120. But uh, this uh, to me, this is Tampa or nothing. I, I don't care if any of their sharps that are on Cleveland. I know they like to back them every week. And, look, I know this team inside out. This is a this is one of the weirdest uh, spots that I, th- I can remember. I don't recall a similar situation where you have a quarterback in Jacoby Brissett who's actually playing pretty well. He's probably one of the top 12 to 15 quarterbacks this year. When you look at all the advanced metrics, he's play, he's done his job. Um, the offense has done their job. The defense has been awful. And now he's going to you know hand over the reins to Deshaun Watson next week. Like I think this team is really just waiting for Watson uh, more than anything. And so I'm not sure they're going to get up for this game uh, this week, especially after Thanksgiving. Um, you know, it's kind of a lull. And I think they're just kind of waiting for Watson to end the year. If they can if they can play well, then that will you know give them momentum in the next year. So I think from a pure kind of do they care about this game, I'm, I would lean likely no versus yes. So from a motivation standpoint, that's that's a, an issue. And you're going up against a Tampa team off of a bye. You know, road favorite off of a bye has done really well uh, recent times. Um, and they are kind of starting to hit their stride a little bit, two-game win streak. They really need to win this game to, to continue to build momentum um, from a, for a playoff run and get a higher seed. So I think they're going to have a huge edge from that point standpoint. You know, they're getting healthier. And really, to me, the key from a matchup perspective is if the Browns can't run the ball, they can't beat anybody <laughs> for the most part because you can't rely. I mean, they're not a come-from-behind team, and they've got to get ahead with their run game. Now, Tampa is not – defended the run nearly as well as they have historically, but that's because they, they didn't have Akeem Hicks for a bunch of games. Now he's back. And when you look at their, just an EPA standpoint uh, against the run with the games that he has played, they are number one in the NFL when he has played um, from an EPA against the run standpoint. So he's huge. And then also the Browns lost their starting center, Ethan Pochick, who, who was the backup going into this year. Nick Harris was a starter. Uh, filling in for J.C. Treader, who, who left in free agency. He actually ended up retiring. So we're talking, we, they were down to the third string center. He's been awesome. Pochick was second in the NFL. When you look at PFF run grade uh, for centers, he was uh, top 15 in pass block grade. And he went down. He's out. And so now the backup came in last week and got absolutely mauled. I mean, to the point where they ran two straight quarterback sneaks with Jacoby Brissett on third and fourth, fourth and one, and and missed and didn't get it on both occasions. And he's been almost automatic this year. He got completely pushed back. So you're going up against Vita Vea and uh, Akeem Hicks. It's a horrible matchup there. Tampa's playing better. I, I would not touch Cleveland here. To me, this is this is Tampa at three or nothing. So that, that's my breakdown of this game. I'm seeing a Buccaneers minus three, minus 115 at points bet. So uh, not sure if you're going to log in really quickly and go in that direction. But maybe they will pop continue to pop up throughout the week. Hitman, you agreeing that it's Bucks or nothing? Or you think this could be a spot to back Cleveland? 
Yeah, well, it wouldn't be a show if I didn't take a shot at a sports book. You, you say that it's minus three at points bet. Well, they're not a real sports book. They don't take action. <laughs> so <laughs> we we'll might as well say it's three and a half. But, well, pinnacle um, three minus 120, I see. There we go. There we go. Real sports book. Takes real betters. <laughs> there we go. But um, regardless, my, my numbers have value on Cleveland. And honestly, I'm staying put because T- TAs scared me off of it. A little bit where I'm probably ultimately past the game, but I mean, are we sure that the Bucks have figured stuff out? Like they, they had that last drive against the Rams. I mean, a terrible Rams team that they were at one point a huge underdog to win with two minutes left in the game, and then they they played well against Seattle, and now after losing to Carolina and they lost to the Steelers, and we're ready to say they're back. I, I don't know if, if I am. But ultimately, I probably stay off uh, Cleveland. TA, what are you seeing on the weather in this game? Because I am seeing potential 20 mile per hour winds and some, some rain, maybe a potential under if the weather um, cooperates. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, again, it's a little bit different down at the, the, the stadium could get it gets pretty windy no matter what. So it definitely will be. I'm sure it will be windy. I don't see precipitation during the game, really. Uh, I think it's going to end before then. But you know, if we're we're thinking about the angle with um, you know with Tom Brady and the and the and the you know Tampa team, you know, obviously he's used to it, and some of the other guys might not be. But um, but yeah, that that would be interesting. I think the Browns under again because they're not going to be able to run the ball very well, and you're going to be forced to throw it with Brissett with a bad offensive line, or at least the middle of the offensive line is hurt. You know, that could be an interesting angle. So yeah, I, I think that's definitely worth a look. Certainly. So very interesting stuff going on in Cleveland hosting the Buccaneers. But now we're going to move to maybe the marquee matchup of Sunday. Certainly the marquee matchup of the 1 p.m. slate. The Tennessee Titans hosting the Cincinnati Bengals, a rematch of one of the AFC playoff games last year. Uh, Titans are rolling. Bengals, even without Jamar Chase, rolling against a you know mediocre Pittsburgh defense. I'm not sure if Jamar Chase will be suited up and healthy this week. It's seen questionable, but of course he's coming off that hip injury, so probably tough. Joe Mixon as well, dealing with that concussion. But Samaje, three Ryan with the three touchdowns last week. Um, Cincinnati, minus one and a half right now on the road in Tennessee. Total of 42 and a half. We'll start with you here, Hitman. Anything happening on this game? The Titans just keep covering. You know, they keep getting disrespected in market, and they keep covering. And I keep saying this, it took me two years and tens of thousands of dollars to realize, but the Titans are just better than their stats and they just have to be power rated better than their stats. Similar to the new England teams in years past where new England would never really dominate the stats and like YPP and DVOA and all that stuff, but they just make winning plays in crucial moments. And obviously not saying the Titans are the Patriots, but they're a bootleg version of them where they just, they perform better than their stats in the win-loss category. So I made this game pick them. I think that it makes a good teaser leg if you're going to get it up to seven and a half or eight. Um, Joe Mixon probably would say more likely to be out that, than to play. I still think that despite their offensive success against Carolina and Pittsburgh in the last two weeks, I still think that this chase injury is, is rather – is a pretty big loss like it was against the, the Browns the first game that he wasn't there and the Titans are a solid defense that's now going to get a lot healthier with 10 days rest so lean to the Titans with the spread and I did play him in the teaser very interesting yeah hard to you know like you just mentioned the Titans are being disrespected some teams like you know look at the Vikings eight and two their statistics are very middle of the pack the uh Tennessee Titans seven and three their statistics again middle of the pack but you know they are clearly outperforming what we might be seeing in the box score. And even when you do a deeper dive in this game, talk to me here, T.A. What are you thinking about this matchup? I think it's been a great game. I think the line is right. Um, you know, I, mean, I think uh, obviously um, you know, the injury to Chase is a killer here. Uh, not having him in the lineup would, you know, if he was in the lineup, I would I would take the Bengals all day. Uh, but without him, you know, even though they, they play well against the Steelers, it's still not as good of an offense. You know, actually, the Titans are starting. And I said this last week. Like we start, we have to start thinking about some of the the way these teams win a little bit differently than just purely the this, the numbers. But the numbers are pretty good on Tennessee. I actually have them. 
on an adjusted basis. I have him 10th in yards per play, adjusted for schedule. I have him fifth in net success rate. Um, and when you take out garbage time, so they're actually, you know, they're actually producing in the stat line too. Uh, I actually think Cincinnati's really good too. I mean, I, this is going to be a really good game. I think it's tight. Uh, you know, I think, you know, this is, uh, this could be a really good matchup. And the problem is if you look back, I was on Titans last year in the playoff game when they had what they have nine sacks against uh, Burrow and the Bengals. So look for a similar game plan. Uh, you know, so I, I think if, if, Ryan Tannehill made a bunch of mistakes in that game. Derrick Henry was rusty coming off the injury. So uh, you might see a similar outcome here, uh, but I think it's a, it's a good line. It's going to be a great game. And, you know, it's hard to bet against Vrabel as an underdog at any point. So, you know, for now I'm staying away. I mean, maybe I'll find something, you know, find something that pops up later, but uh, I think for, for where these teams are, I think it's the right line. Yeah. Very, very excited for this one should be a fantastic football game on Sunday. Now moving to probably not as great of a football game, the Miami Dolphins hosting the Houston Texans. Houston, they're going to come off that big loss to Washington. It's clearly abysmal, one of, if not the worst teams in football. Miami, they, in my opinion, are slightly overrated. However, over the last couple of weeks, they have done some really good things. Should not be too big of a sweat. However, as we know in the National Football League, anybody can anybody on any given Sunday Right now, the line is sitting at Miami, laying 13 or 13 and a half at home. Total up there sitting at 46 and a half, 47. We'll go back to you now, TA. Anything catching your eye in Miami versus Houston? Man, I want to know why they're overrated <laughs> in your eyes because I, I think that their their offense is, is incredible. I think the scheme is great. What McDaniel's doing is just fantastic. He's just exploiting the middle of that field on defenses and like these teams have no shot at covering them. I mean, they're number one in EPA uh, in the middle of the field uh, and they're going up against a Houston defense is 25th in EPA allowing uh, plays over the middle of the field. They may be benching Davis Mills. I mean, Kyle Allen might start like there's again, I was on Houston last week and they, that was the spot of all spots for them playing at home against a team that was just off a, a win as a double digit underdog is playing their second road game in a row in a short week, and they come out like that. Like that was they were lifeless. It was horrible. So, um, and and the one thing that I've noticed with Houston is they obviously they need Damian Pierce to, to to play well for them to even compete. And the games that that you know, like the Philly game, you know, you can run on Philly, so they're able to to stay with them and cover that spread. Um, they've done it against some other teams. You know, Miami's seventh in success rate uh, against the run. Uh, fifth and adjusted line yards on defense. So they should be able to slow him down. And if you can't, if you can't run the ball, if you're Houston and you're leaning on Davis Mills, especially on the road, he's, he's historically awful on the road. Uh, I faded them last week or two weeks ago when they went to New York um, and he didn't play well on the road and he had a couple of turnovers there, key turnovers. And so this is a, a similar situation. I mean, Miami should be able to throw all day on them. I, I you know, Again, this might be a case where you just take the first half line just so you don't get any funky business at the end of games. And we've seen a bunch of, uh, you know, these big underdogs, double-digit underdogs have done really well this year. But I just – this is Miami or pass for me. Like, there is no way – you couldn't pay me enough money to to back Houston here. There's just – they're lifeless right now. And uh, I don't see any way that, um, you know, it's just hard for me to back them here. Yeah, certainly. When I say overrated, I mean, take that with a caveat, might have been the wrong choice of words because I have them as 11 in my power rankings, but I've seen some, you know, wow. top six and sevens, which I think is 11. Man, I, I want I want to see your power rankings. How, so you got to remember, like Tua has only played. A hand, I mean, he's missed a couple of games. If you exclude the games that he's you know missed, like this is the best offense in the NFL. Like it's not even it's I, not really, I don't know how you stop them. So. I don't trust him on defense personally, but uh, of course, things can change. (laughs) As we know, opinions, as we acquire more information, are subject to change, which is a good thing. I will gladly eat my words uh, if Miami uh, makes a deep run, and I'll go back. Play for this Niners-Miami Super Bowl matchup, the uh, Shanahan-Mike McDaniel Bowl. That's one to take a look at. They play in week 13, so we'll get a preview of that potentially. So very interesting stuff there. Hitman, can you back the Texans here? Are you back in Miami, or are you just staying the hell away from this one? Oh, God. Just um, one thing I'll note is that Brandon Cook's practice today on Wednesday, it's usually a veteran rest day, and the speculation is that he practiced so he could start to get some reps with Kyle Allen. So I think we get Kyle Allen for this game. 
but it doesn't mean no upgrade or downgrade. Um, complete pass for me. Complete pass, and pretty obviously why. Uh, pretty overly, I guess the Texans are looking like the fight out of their weight class. They're eyeing that number one pick in the NFL draft, and uh, I guess we'll talk about that closer to April when they'll be selecting upon the top there. But another game that interesting for a number of reasons, but the New York Jets hosting the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields dealing with a dislocated shoulder, not his throwing shoulder, and the New York Jets officially announcing that. They don't know who will be starting, but they know for sure it will not be Zach Wilson. You can put that to his you know, pretty terrible play, his pretty terrible film, as well as his inability to kind of be a leader, as we saw in that press conference. All those things, I'm sure, led to that decision. I'm not Robert Sala, though, so we'll leave that to those press conferences and we'll see what happens. But right now, the Jets still sitting at five, four-and-a-half-point favorites at home, even with no quarterback design, just no quarterback, excuse me, being guaranteed to play, except it won't be Zach Wilson. Uh, again, not a game that I think is going to catch a lot of people's attention this Sunday. Uh, Jets obviously could use a huge win for the potential playoff push. Uh, we'll start with you, your hitman. Bears, Jets, what are you thinking? Um, with Fields, at quarterback, I made the game closer to three, three and a half. With Fields out, I made it six. I'd probably say it's about a 50% chance if we see Fields or not. So I thought four and a half was a nice middle um, to, to put the line at. I made the game um, – I did bet it when it was six because of that logic right there. I know there's a lot of Twitter doctors that are saying, like, oh, Fields could take a pain-killing injection and probably play in this game, and he has done it in the past. So, I mean, I lean that Fields plays, but ultimately a four and a half, probably no bet until I know what's happening with Fields. But with that said, I have a hard time laying points with this Jets offense, wanting them to win by margin. Yeah, no, very pretty obvious to see why you believe that uh, Jets offense not doing well whatsoever, especially since that Breesy Hall injury. Uh, T.A., anything you're looking at in this matchup? Yeah, I'm, I just saw Mike White got announced starting. So um, I would <laughs> – I don't care if Justin Fields is playing. I might actually take the Jets uh, anyway. We'll see. Um, I, I just – I mean, this Jets defense is phenomenal. Like they're just, they're fantastic. And, you know, I, I don't see a way, even if Fields plays, like I don't see a ton of offense here coming from, from the Bears. And if he doesn't play, they are dead in the water. I mean, he is the carrying that entire offense. If you, if you put Trevor Simeon with those lack of weapons and that offensive line and against that defense, like he's going to get murdered. And so, um, so I'm okay with either one playing. Obviously, I'd rather have Simeon in there. But um, I, I think if you look at the Jets, yeah, their offense sucks, right? Like we get that. And Zach Wilson stinks, and now he's he's out. You know, Mike White's going to dink and dunk, which is fine. Like he doesn't need to take a ton of shots. You just need him to not make a ton of mistakes. To take the throws that are there. I mean, some of the throws that that Wilson was making, he was just airmailing like easy ten yard in routes to, to Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. And those are just the simple ones you need to you need to make with with that defense. And look at the defenses though that the Jets have faced in the last four games. Okay, Denver, New England twice, and Buffalo. You're talking about from an EPA standpoint, number one, number one, number two, and number ten defense, right? So they've had no shot to win those games when they faced, you know, uh, mediocre to, to to bad defenses like Steelers and Miami and Green Bay. Now some of that, you know, there was uh, I think a a defensive turnover, uh, defensive touchdown, the green Bay game, but they've scored 24, 40, 27. Like they could put up some points against mediocre defenses. And this is by far the worst defense they've faced this year. I mean, the bears are historically bad. I was on that over last week, as I mentioned uh, in, in Atlanta, who can't throw the ball uh, was still able to score 24 offensive points um, or 20 offensive points. They could have scored more, you know, they had a couple of fumbles too, like, I think the Jets will be able to score 20 to 23 points, and I'm not sure uh, Chicago's going to do much. So, to me, like this is such an – they have not faced uh, a defense like this in a long time. So, I think they get a breather here, and I think they'll be able to put up some points, and I think this is going to be a blowout. So, um, I haven't taken it yet. I'm just waiting to see if I can get a better number if Fields plays but because um, I think it's going to be six if he doesn't play, and I'm fine with that too. So, I'll try to wait and, and get the best – you know, the best, best number I can get here. So, um, but I'm good with anything six or below. 
Yeah, no, certainly the Chicago Bears defense is nothing to write home about. Like you said, historically bad. And something you did mention on the last show is you're going to be riding Bears overs until the market's telling you you can't do that anymore because of how bad this defense is. Jets defense, of course, is uh, you know playing very, very well this season. So an interesting matchup there. But moving on to the 4.05 p.m. games, the 4 p.m. slate, the Seattle Seahawks hosting the Las Vegas Raiders. Seahawks right now sitting at three and a half point favorites almost everywhere. Total 47 and a half, 48. We'll go back to UTA, Raiders, Seahawks. What are your thoughts? Uh, this is interesting from a situation standpoint. You have a Raiders team that is playing back-to-back road games, and you're coming off a Denver game in overtime. Um, I wonder how many times, I haven't looked it up, I wonder how many times we've seen a team play mile high with that altitude uh, in overtime and then go back on the road again. Uh, that's that's a tough spot, and you're going up against a team off a of bye, right? So a huge situational, um, I guess, rest advantage for Seattle here. So that, that you know, leans, you know, just from that situation, uh, uh, the way of the Seahawks and the Raiders, uh, you know, they got away with, again, bad defense uh, against the worst offense in the NFL in Denver last week. So um, they got away with it. But I think Seattle's going to be able to put up points. I did see that it's going to be, uh, you know, wet weather. So we got to be careful there. Uh, but this is the worst defense in the NFL from a pass standpoint um, that uh, Seattle's going to be facing. And I've, I've faded Seattle a bunch of times in the last month. But I think this is the spot I would back them if I were to back them. So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, that to me it's Seattle or pass. I know some people are on the Raiders. I just think if it wasn't, again, playing an OT game on the road against, you know, uh, against Denver and Mile High, that's a tough spot to turn around from and, and go back again on the road in a hostile environment. And, you know, again, that was an emotional win for Josh McDaniels going back to Denver too. So I think he was putting a lot on that game. You know, uh, Raiders played a bunch of close games, but um, I, I think this might be the the, the spot for for Seattle. Yeah, that was certainly the Seahawks, one of the more surprisingly good teams, the Raiders. Uh, not sure how surprisingly, but certainly not having a great season. Hitman, thoughts on this matchup? I agree with T.A. Um, Seattle would be the side that I would look, look towards. It's funny, before the year, all I was thinking about was, wow, the Raiders have such a nice weaponry core. I mean, you got Waller, Renfro for the short and intermediate, Adams, and now you're literally down in an offense that's two players and nobody else. And uh, I could envision Seattle's offense having a lot of success against a bad Raiders defense. So I just – I would lean towards Seattle. Yes, certainly. That three and a half, obviously, that hook there makes it tough. But if you think they're going to win by more, it might not be the worst play there. And just, again, seeing some tweets going back to the Jets quickly, Zach Wilson will not even be suiting up for that game. So he will not even be the backup quarterback in that situation, inactive against the Bears. But another matchup, the Arizona Cardinals hosting the Chargers. Cardinals, of course, have not been great at home this season. Chargers, barrage of injuries across their entire team. Again, seem just underwhelming for some of the talented pieces they do have on this team. The Cardinals, however, we saw them get absolutely embarrassed on Monday, looking uh, really like one of the worst teams in the NFL. Uh, we'll start with you here, Hitman. Chargers, Cardinals, what's catching your eye there? Another one. I mean, I'd like to see the injury report, see that Allen's going to play again. He would, would assume he will. Mike Williams, I would assume, is out, but – I don't know. Another one where I just think that the the line is on the number. I mean, I would guess that Murray probably doesn't play again. If Murray does get ruled in, I could see the line going towards Arizona, but I'm not sure how much I it might get overmoved towards Arizona, to be honest, where I'd be interested in the Chargers. Uh, I know it was it was pretty damning. Like a lot of even like players were talking about like, oh, well, if Colt, the offense is run, the ball comes out on time. It wasn't the most encouraging uh, tidbits I was hearing on Murray. So nothing now, but maybe if the market over moves and Murray does play, I looked to bet the Chargers, especially because Murray throughout his career has just not played well at all when playing injured. Yeah, Kyler Murray, doubtful on the injury report. T.A., what are you thinking for this Chargers-Cardinals matchup? 
Yeah, I think this is interesting. Um, I think over a field goal, you have to look at Arizona with Colt McCoy. I'm actually fine with Colt McCoy over a field goal versus if Kyler's in there and it was like two and a half or, or close to pick him. I'd rather have Colt McCoy with a few extra points. I think it was just a bad matchup last week against against the Niners, especially without DJ Humphreys last minute. Like that, that killed them. Um, he's not a guy who's going to beat a, a really good defense like the Niners. Um, and again, just bad matchup. Their linebackers, they struggle defending tight ends. You couldn't, you know, so we saw what George Kittle did. I know both me and Hitman were, were pretty heavy on Kittle overs in that, in that game. And that was, I actually had an alt on his over 70. So that hit pretty easily too. They, they just, they do not defend tight ends, but the Chargers don't have any tight ends to really worry about. Um, you know, so that was just a bad matchup there for, for the Cardinals. So I don't really, that doesn't really phase me for this week. I thought the Chargers played well against Kansas City. They laid it all on the line. Uh, again, had Chargers there. That was one of my picks last week, uh, and they, I had them outright, so I missed that money line. But uh, but you know they always play well against against KC. I just don't know if I can trust the Chargers laying over a field goal against anyone who's semi competent. Uh, you know, and this isn't Houston. You know, Arizona is. You know, even with Colt McCoy, is at least competent, and they might get Hollywood Brown back. And if if Mike Williams is out, uh, I think I'm I'm definitely leaning to Arizona. Um, I just think that it's hard to lay. I mean, Arizona. Okay, so the Chargers were laying what they closed two and a half at Atlanta uh, two mm-hmm. weeks ago, and now they're going to be three and a half to four and a half uh, in Arizona. I don't it doesn't jive with me. <laughs> so uh, I think from that perspective, I would I would you know lean Arizona's way. But I, I would uh, if Mike Williams plays, it might be a different story. But I, I doubt he will. So. Uh, to meet Arizona pass. Definitely need some pieces back for Herbert. Next matchup that I'm sure when the schedule makers made this matchup, they thought it'd be a marquee game. But given the way the Los Angeles Rams season has shaken out, it looks like anything but Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Rams. 14 and a half point spread, total of 44, which is, uh, I mean, this spread again, <laughs> depending Super Bowl champions. I don't know if they've ever been 14 point dogs in the history of the Super Bowl era. Don't fact check me on that because I don't know for sure. But uh, we'll start with you again, TA. Chiefs, Rams, what do you see? And this spread's kind of crazy. Yeah, no, no play for me. Uh, you can't you can't do anything here. Um, <laughs> we don't even know who's quarterback. I mean, we, they don't have a quarterback, the Rams, right now. So this is – and it, the line's going to be 14, 14 and a half. Like, just – that's all. It's not even on my board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, TA, um, I, don't th- I don't know if we see Stafford again this entire year. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they shut – they're just going to shut this whole thing down. And yeah. I think that the Rams in the offseason, they're just going to be giving stuff away. They're just going to say, hey, we, we need draft picks. Take Ramsey. Take Aaron Donald, maybe, if he wants to play for a contender. Uh, I think I think McVay. Take McVay mm-hmm. if he doesn't go to television. I, I think it's the end of the road for the Rams. And they're probably, to finish the year, they're going to be power-rated as low as the Houston Texans are close to them, I think. Certainly, this Rams team is abysmal. Chiefs team, fantastic. So, not again a great matchup there. Interesting matchup here: the 49ers coming out of a blow, coming off a blowout win against the Cardinals, hosting the Saints now, who did well against this Rams team. But like we just mentioned, this Rams team is closer to the bottom three teams in the league than anything else. Line sitting nine and a half for the 49ers, giving up that those nine and a half points. Total forty three. Hitman, Saints 49ers, anything piquing your interest? I like San Fran. I, I made it north of 10, this line. And I, I think San Fran's the best team in the NFC, power rating-wise. I mean, you have at least an average quarterback with probably the best weapons in the NFL, a great play caller, a great run defense, a great pass rush. Like, I just don't see many holes in this team. And the Saints, like, what – Let's not forget about their injuries. And they lost another guy in Peyton Turner recently. They have the offensive line injuries, the wide receiver injuries, the defensive line injuries, the corner injuries. I I thought the number was a bit short. I thought it, it was going to be a, a little north of 10. So I, I like San Fran minus nine, nine, nine and a half. T.A., any thoughts? Uh, I'd only look at the total, uh, maybe take the over here. Uh, again, I haven't looked at the weather or anything, but I think uh, I think there could be some points here for both sides. I love the the Niners' offense looks unstoppable. Uh, if Jimmy G's got time, and, and the, the Niners give you no, or the Saints give you no pressure on defense, so um, I, I think that the over has merit here. Um, it would be nice if if the Saints got back James Hurst. <laughs> they got a little bit healthier, but um, I think the over uh, no no 
little bit too too high for me on on the on the number, but uh, it's over or nothing for me. Yeah, those 49ers offense playmakers all across the field. Hey, it's a Sunday night though, and this spread I'm not gonna say surprised me considering the state of the Green Bay Packers. But you know, laying seven at home for the Eagles is uh, interesting. Going down to six and a half at some shops, but mostly sevens across the board. Total of 46 and a half or 46, depending where you look. Eagles, of course, coming off that tight win. The Packers, of course, looking like uh, they're looking to play some some golf in Florida this winter. They will not be playing playoff football. Uh, TA Eagles, Packers. You seen anything in this one? Uh, I would look to Philly in a teaser leg. I think they win, especially after the last couple of weeks. Um, both teams can run the ball on each other. That's where they're soft. But I did see um, there's some numbers where Linval Joseph and, and Dominican Sue, when they were in the game last week, the, the Jonathan Taylor numbers went down substantially. So I think they're going to get more looks. I think that's going to help them here. And I think they'll be able to run all over this Packers defense who, you know, that was a um, – their, their, their season was crushed last week. So uh, not a lot to play for for them. So – uh, I would look to the Philly on the uh, on the teaser here. So, Ti, what's stopping you from teasing New England and Philly? Uh, it's not that's that's that would be the one leg that that you know I could I could pair up with New England. So uh, that is this is probably the only one. Maybe the Steelers, uh, but those are probably the, the the two options there. Gotcha, Hitman. Anything catching around here? No, I mean Philly's been a team I've been wanting to play against, and. Not because I don't think they're a great team. I mean, I have them rated as the second team in the NFC, but just because the the way their run defense has been struggling recently. Um, Dallas Goddard, I think, is a really underrated loss for them. And plus, the the last two weeks, like Jalen Hurts, I mean, still playing solid, but he hasn't been the MVP level Jalen Hurts that we saw earlier in the year against a really easy schedule. But I think that the odds makers are making they're they're accounting for it right now. The market's accounting for maybe Philly not being rated as as highly as we once thought. So it, it ends up being a pass for me. Yeah, of course. This line did come in lower than I expected, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of people like their numbers are gonna support Philly, but ultimately probably ends up being a pass for me. Certainly seems a lot safer getting minus one or even minus 0.5, depending on the number in a teaser for sure. But last but not least, Monday Night Football, Indianapolis Colts hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Indy laying two and a half at home. Total pretty low with three and a half, unsurprisingly, considering how good the Colts defense has been. Um, again, piling back on that, Colts defense has really been a great unit, as we saw against the Eagles last week. Hitman, would you like to uh, hop in first for the Steelers Colts? <laughs> yeah, um, I have some value on Indy. A lot of guys I respect, they're looking towards the Steelers. So it, it probably it's kind of like that Cleveland game where they, they probably end up talking me out of it. But I, I had Indy about a point, point and a half better on a neutral. And with the home field, maybe going through three, it's one and a half. I mean, I was closer to three on this game personally, but – uh, I'm going to respect some of the guys that are disagreeing with me and just call it a lean towards the Colts at one at two and a half. Always have to respect uh, the market as well as top colleagues that know what they're doing. TA, we're talking Steelers, Colts. What do you like in here? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, Steelers on a teaser or nothing. That's the only leg I would look at. Ugly game. Um, you know, I, I just think it's it's a coaching mismatch, obviously, <laughs> with Tomlin versus Saturday. So. I like having um, you know Tomlin uh, over a touchdown here in a teaser leg, but I don't I don't see anything else here from from a straight up standpoint. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty ugly. Yeah, not hard to uh, to see why you believe that, but that does it for Edge Rush for Week Twelve of the 2022 NFL season. Please like, comment, download, rate, and subscribe. That is the fastest way to help the Hammer Betting Network grow. We appreciate all of our listeners. You can find all three of us on Twitter. And thank you, everybody. We'll catch you guys next week. Have a great holiday and best of luck on your bets this weekend.